today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Seems to be a focus on, on mental health issues. Some of the government announcements. Uh, lots of research being done about this, and, and it's maybe more front of center than it has been for many, many years now. Uh, because of, of COVID and because of, of the, the lockdowns, and, and we know the impact it's had on uh, on different demographics, of course, and uh, it's it's something that we need to talk about. And uh, we're doing that better than we have in the past, but uh, there's still a long way to go and a lot of research going on. Uh, and now there's a discussion about what kind of treatments and what kind of medications may well, in fact, uh, be helpful uh, to people that are dealing with uh, mental health crises. And uh, our next guest uh, is... Uh, working with uh, psychedelics and perhaps cannabis as a possible solution to this. Uh, he is Mitchell Osak, who is the CEO of Quanta Consulting Incorporated, and joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Mitchell, thank you for the time. Good to have you with us today. Good morning, Bill. Pleasure to be here. Uh, a problem that we all, I think, understand, well, don't understand, but we certainly realize it exists, uh, and, and very frustrated because we don't exactly know how to address this. Talk to us about, about what uh, Quanta Consulting is doing here. And uh, I know that some people, when you see the word psychedelics, all of a sudden kind of, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, but uh, it's, it's an interesting angle to this, uh, to, to dealing with this. Talk to us about what you found out so far. Well, it's, um, as you said, it's a mental health uh, issues, including depression, trauma, and so on, is endemic in our society as well as around the world. And it's not just because of COVID. And you, you touch upon a really important issue is that, you know, these societal and individual health issues have become, um, there's great, much greater awareness around them. And we're starting to realize the, the societal and the economic cost of them. What that has prompted is a variety of different companies, universities, and governments to tackle this crisis and the huge costs associated with it, so we can not only bring relief to patients, but bring relief to our healthcare costs, which are ballooning out of control because of mental health. Uh, so in other words, uh, you know, uh, to, to be able to deal with this and handle this and, and to try to uh, carry on in, in some way, shape, or form with our lives in, in spite of the challenges that we're facing, especially when it comes to mental health issues, are, are, are employers being more sympathetic to it now than they were in the past, Mitchell? Absolutely. I think a lot of it is uh, awareness of these issues. Um, mental health now is equated in many places with physical health. I think there's a lot of um, consideration of the fact that it's not just the sufferer, but it's the it's the families that support that sufferer that also are significantly impacted, and as well as sort of the soft but really important costs, and that is like reduced productivity, higher abstinence, higher levels of uh, alcoholism and, and drug abuse and so on and so forth. So what we're doing as a society, and not just in Canada, but around the world, is we're finally tackling this massive problem. And psychedelics and cannabis are one of the frontline weapons to be able to do that. Let's let's talk about its usage and, and frankly, the concerns and maybe even, uh, I guess, Mitchell, to a certain extent, some of the stigma here. You know, when you talk about people, for instance, that may have addictive personalities, they may be a little apprehensive about getting involved with uh, something like, uh, well, in, in the case that you're using with psychedelics, uh, because of that propensity. I mean, you, you know, you talked about the self-medication, things like alcohol and other substances. Talk to us about how you can assuage some of those concerns that people may have if this is something that's being recommended. Well, in the case of psychedelics, for example, um, when they eventually get introduced, and they will, uh, on a widespread, society-wide basis, they will be medicines. 
So we can call it psychedelics, but at the end of the day, they'll be administered just like medicines do. They'll be prescribed by physicians. They'll be dispensed by pharmacies or special clinics. And in the case of certain psychedelics that come with the hallucinogenic effects like LSD, the, um, the medicine will be accompanied by therapy. So you will have uh, psychotherapists or what have you guiding the patients along after they take the dose of psychedelics. So we're talking about all-encompassing care here. We're not just talking about popping a pill and getting really high and um, tripping out. Well, and, and and those stories, anecdotal as they may be, for people that didn't even try those things, I, I mean, the, I guess the undercurrent here is that the, 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 that was an abuse of, of a narcotic and a drug at that particular time. This is controlled usage uh, for specific incidents right now. I know you're doing some clinical, clinical trials, rather, on this right now. What, what are you seeing? Well, we're seeing a lot of early promise. Now, to be very clear, it's still early in the research with psychedelics. So there's only been a handful of what's considered phase two clinical trials. And those are real clinical trials that look at you know toxicity and negative side effects, as well as efficacy um, and how these drugs perform. To be able to have a psychedelic drug launched through Health Canada or the US equivalent, the FDA, you need large trials you need, you know, even up to phase three kinds of trials, you need education of healthcare professionals as well as doctors. So it's going to take some time, but the early results from trials that have been conducted around the world have shown psychedelics to be potentially, and I'll under, underline this, potentially a cure for what's called treatment-resistant depression or depression that we can treat with, with existing therapies right now. Where are we vis-a-vis -vis those other countries? I mean, you know, because we know that there are different standards in different parts of the world right now uh, about acceptance and even sometimes about how the data is going to be interpreted. So Canon is among one of the leaders in the research and the and the sort of the very controlled um, allowance of of patients to have psychedelics. So we have some fantastic universities and psychedelic. Uh, based research drug companies looking at this. The United States is very strong as well as England. It's in a sense, it's, it's a good arms race as research teams around the world try and unlock this. And as you said in your first point, you know, the more we learn about the brain very often, the less we realize we actually know about it. So it's going to take a global effort to solve this. There are lots of different psychedelic compounds. There's lots of different kinds of depressions. And we're, there's going to be no magic bullet, but on the other hand, you know, through concerted efforts around the world, we'll get the therapies that'll help hundreds of millions of people. And that's got to be part of the challenge, I would think, Mitchell. As you say, I mean, how do you focus in on something? There's so many variables, uh, as, not just to, as you say, the symptoms, but to, to the possible medications as well. I mean, uh, and, and I know it's not just happenstance that you say, ah, this one seems to work here. But there's got to be, uh, I guess, some open-mindedness here about what may or may not be effective here. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, um, current treatments like SSRIs and, and benzos and so on and so forth, they're not going away. They are not the most effective. But if they happen to be working on a particular patient, a doctor is not going to take that patient off of a SSRI and put them on a psychedelic. So it will take time for these medicines to hit the mainstream. We'll have to overcome some significant stigma, not only among patients, but also around, you know, physicians who prescribe this. We'll have to educate them about 
um, how certain medicines won't have hallucinogenic effects. So even though they might be a cousin, say, of LSD, it doesn't mean it has the um, hallucinogenic effects that raw illegal LSD would give. So it will take a lot of time, and that's why a lot of this research is being done around the world to really untangle this psychedelic bowl of spaghetti to figure out exactly what compound for what patient group and for what form of depression or anxiety or trauma. Well, and I guess that comes down to dosage too, doesn't it? About exactly what kind of an impact it's going to have on the body. Absolutely. So that's one of the, the objectives of the larger studies, to test a variety of different dosages on more patients in a variety of different circumstances. And as you can appreciate, you wouldn't give a pregnant woman the same kind of dosage that you might give, you know, a 25-year-old male. So it's going to take a lot more testing, not only around the dosage as well, but how that dose is, is administered. Is it a pill? Is it a nasal spray? Is it a suppository? There's so many different ways, as, as, as you know and we know, of taking medicines. We're just going to have to figure it out, and that's going to take time and lots of R&D and testing. Well, to that point, uh, I guess because one of the things that I know in, in research for almost any medication is, is not just the short-term effect, but the long-term impacts of, of that medication, too. And, and uh, how long has this been going on, and, and are we any closer to understanding some of the long-term uh, impacts? You know, great question. So uh, psychedelic research is relatively young, to be perfectly honest. I mean, psychedelics have been around a long time, but having them tested and researched in a fully compliant, rigorous, you know, Health Canada approved process isn't any more than three or four years old, if that. So a lot of the early testing now is focused on things like toxicity and negative side effects. And what do I mean by that is I think it's pretty clear that, you know, psychedelics um, can do a lot to alleviate symptoms. But the question in medicine always is, at what cost, with what side effects, what's going to happen to the patient. So a lot of these trials are devoted to figuring out what are the side effects, are those momentary or uh, do they last, and what are the implications. And one quick example of that is, you know, it will be very difficult to launch a psychedelic medicine, even if it works, if nobody can afford it. So mm -hmm. is affordability um, can that be insured? Could we get provincial formularies to approve these drugs so all Ontarians can benefit and not just the wealthy or those who get it illegally from other countries? It's a fascinating topic, and, and uh, I was really intrigued by this when we saw the story about this. And I want to stay in touch with you as, uh, as this uh, research continues. Uh, Mitchell, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Take care. Take care. Mitchell Osaka, who is the CEO for Quanta Consulting Incorporated. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.